Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Our topic this week is a time of preparation and journey through Holy Week. And we are going to answer a few questions that some of you may have, and that of what is the true meaning of Palm Sunday and Holy Week? And why do we recognize a week that leads up to Easter Sunday? But before we get into our topic today, I want to remind you that we will be launching a new YouTube channel on Thursday, April 14th, with our Maundy Thursday message, followed by a Good Friday, April 15th message, and finally our message of resurrection, Easter Sunday, April 17th. Also beginning Thursday, April 14th, our topics will include a time of prayer, meditation, and music, and if you are listening on YouTube, words for each hymn will be included to hopefully enhance your participation in a private time of worship with God. We will also be launching Sing Praise this summer, which is a library of hymns complete with words that Dr. Guy Watley and Mark Tichy performed for Face Your Faith. Each hymn will be accompanied by a brief history and scripture reference for a musical time of worship and thanksgiving that you can enjoy anywhere, anytime. With that, it is my sincere hope that these additions to our current resources will be very encouraging and uplifting as you grow in your faith, understanding, and worship of God. Now let's turn our focus to our topic and that of preparing for Holy Week. While recognizing and our celebrating Holy Week is not biblical in any way, it is nonetheless a good time to focus especially on what God has done for the world and for each of us. It is no doubt the greatest gift of all to humanity and to anyone who receives this life-changing, life-saving gift. Now let's take a brief look together at the history of Holy Week and what it means. This year, 2022, Holy Week begins Sunday, April 10th, and is generally observed by Protestant Christians beginning on Palm Sunday as Christ entered Jerusalem on his way to the cross, which leads us then to Maundy Thursday for the Last Supper, and the week concludes with Good Friday, when Christ is put to death on the cross to ultimately lead us to the resurrection on the first day of the new week, Resurrection Sunday, or more formally known as Easter Sunday. While this should be something we recognize every day of our lives and celebrate what God did for us through His Son, Jesus, as God in the flesh, it is good to have a special week to get very real with remembering and meditation on just how much God loves us and the extent to which He would go for us to have a real relationship with Him. A relationship that is so rich and free and a love that is so amazing and so divine. So what's the point of Palm Sunday? More than likely, you are at least very familiar with hearing about Palm Sunday and that it's a happy celebration of Jesus riding in on a donkey, being welcomed like a celebrity by the crowds. But Jesus did not go to Jerusalem to be welcomed and celebrated. He came because he said he would. Let's turn to our first passage of scripture and that of Matthew 20, 17 through 19. And it says, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. This is about Jesus doing his job. 
following through on his promise to us, the second to the final act from the time of his birth, and that to go to Jerusalem to hand himself over to be crucified and raised again for a single, one-time act of setting those who believe completely free from being enslaved by sin. But upon arriving in Jerusalem, the crowds welcomed him with shouts and praise and joy. What an amazing and triumphal entry that must have been. Are you aware, however, that many of the people yelling Hosanna, which is more or less translated, God save us, and throwing their cloaks and palm branches down, hence Palm Sunday, on the road ahead of Jesus, in essence, rolling out the red carpet for him, is not being shouted because he, Jesus, is the one that is coming to die for the sins of the world, to offer salvation to all who accept him for exactly who he says he is and exactly what he says he will do and has done. No, the crowd was chanting Hosanna because many thought Jesus was their new general. That would save the nation of Israel and be the leader they have been so desperately waiting for who would finally save them from Roman persecution. This man, Jesus, was to be a political savior, not a personal savior, according to the crowd. And so when they saw him, the crowds were extremely confused and disappointed when Jesus got into town riding on a donkey. That is certainly not how a leader, a powerful warrior, a general who is going to lead a war against Rome is to show up. The man they were waiting for should have been riding on a well-decorated stallion or in a chariot flanked by well-decorated soldiers on horseback and marching beside him in impressive militaristic style. And as we will read in our passage in just a moment, the crowd was confused and asking, what's going on here? Who is this? This man certainly doesn't look like any general or leader that's of any use to us. Now let's look at Jesus as he arrives in Jerusalem as we begin our journey of remembrance. Keep in mind that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each give us their independent account of this monumental moment. And for today, we are going to look at this account from Matthew's perspective, from Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you will say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And this had to have been a shock to the throngs of people anticipating the big arrival of their political Savior. But indeed, the Savior had arrived. The Savior who would once and for all put an end to the universal, the cosmic war of good and evil, and the eternal separation of God and man 
for all who accept him and believe. The political war that was being waged by the Romans at that time, even with all the misery and torment, was nothing in comparison to the eternal misery those who deny the Savior would and will endure for eternity. And so it is my hope that you allow God to challenge you this week with a new perspective on who you are expecting to ride into your life. Are you waiting for and expecting the Savior who will free you from the battles in your life, free you from the money problems, the job problems, relationship problems, spouse problems, church problems, political problems, children problems, drug problems, fear problems, anger problems, ego problems, and the list goes on and on. Are you confused and questioning just like the people were in Jerusalem when Jesus shows up and rides into your life? Are you asking the same questions of Jesus the crowd asked thousands of years ago? Do you get stirred up saying, who is this? This is just the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. What can this man, this nice prophet ever do for me? I need something big, something grand, something powerful to take care of this mess and clean up the world, clean up my life, not some guy on a pony. All I want is someone to keep all that bad stuff away from me and let me live in peace for once, just once. I've lived a life of nothing but war and something has to give. And this Jesus guy, this so-called son of God, son of man, doesn't at all appear to be what is needed to do the job I was expecting. Ask yourself, what are you expecting? What exactly do you need Jesus to do for you or want him to do for you? Could it be that you are not looking at your situation with clarity and what you really need? Are you wanting just to have someone swoop in and remove all the stuff you don't like so you can just move on in happiness, joy, and peace as you believe is only proper and justified? Well, if that is what you are looking for, then look no further than Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, God in the flesh, to ride into your life and truly give you the opportunity to shout, Hosanna. Welcome him with open arms, because indeed he will set you free from this war of life, but not right away. That is to come when the Savior, Jesus, our general, returns to finally remove us from this hideous war. Jesus showed up in Jerusalem in an unexpected way, and he will show up in your life in a very unexpected way, and he will show up once more and finally in an unexpected way on that final day. Luke 12:40 states, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And while we may feel we have lived in perpetual misery and turmoil, how do you measure the number of years you have been alive or will live, even if you are a hundred? How do you compare that time to eternity with God? There is no measure for that. Even 100 years of life dissolves in the light of eternity, in perfection and in peace. And this is why we begin our Holy Week journey with Palm Sunday. But don't forget, this journey ultimately began in the beginning, in Genesis, with God promising a Savior for us. And this points us to the wholeness of God's gift to us, the gift of birth, the gift of death, 
the gift of the resurrection, the gift of salvation, and the ultimate gift of eternal life. We will now shift our focus and briefly look at the remainder of Holy Week and its significance to the believer. And we will begin with Maundy Thursday. So what is Maundy Thursday and what is its significance? Let's first take a look at the word Maundy, spelled M-A-U-N-D-Y, and it comes from the Latin word mandatum, in which the English language derives the word mandate or command. And perhaps for many of us, this sheds new light on this day in a new way, as we have just discovered. The literal translation of this day is Mandate Thursday or Commandment Thursday. Yet for those who recognize this day in church, it is generally portrayed as the Last Supper and where we derive our taking communion. It is also a day where the washing of feet is played out as Jesus did for his disciples in recognition of his humility for us. Communion and the washing of feet, however, does not fully represent, at least according to my understanding, what God's Word is attempting to truly convey to us. After all, we call this day Mandate Thursday, so surely there must be something mandatory that we are to do and recognize. Evidently, a decree, a command has been left for us on the night Jesus was betrayed. Was it just a time of example so we would have an opportunity to take communion as believers and show humility? And the short answer to that, in my opinion, is no. This was the time of the Passover, and Jesus ate the Passover meal with his disciples. But Jesus fully used this time of being together to tell his disciples yet again that he, Jesus, was going to be crucified the next day, that this would be the last time he would be with them in this earthly, God-in-the-flesh existence until he is resurrected and returns in the future for the last time. This was a temporary, until we meet again, farewell dinner of sorts. Jesus saying goodbye for now, and in the only way we could even slightly understand of what he was about to do. But where is the mandate or the command in all this? Let's look at John 13, 34 through 35. Jesus told his disciples that evening at dinner, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus made it abundantly clear that while we are to take communion in fellowship together as believers, as his disciples and practice humility with one another, he left only one major commandment, one clear defined mandate that evening love one another, because that is the only way you will be truly known by the world that you belong to me. Don't lose sight, however, that simply loving people and following this command makes you a follower of Jesus and a child of God. Quite the contrary. Jesus makes it exceptionally clear throughout Scripture that you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus indeed is the Son of God, fully God, fully man. And without that acceptance and acknowledgement, the mandate, the commandment, the cross, the death, the grave, the resurrection, and his return are of no value. And now we come to the final day of recognition during Holy Week, and that to Good Friday. 
And probably the most common question I have been asked is, why is it called Good Friday when Jesus was killed and it was such a dark day? The answer is quite simple. Again, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday are not scriptural days. They are people-ordained days of recognition to help us reflect and remember what Jesus did for us. And so the term Good Friday is simply announcing that although Jesus suffered and was killed, we know today that this was not the end, that he did not die, but rose again three days later as promised and will return for all who trust fully in his name, that he did not die for good, but rose again three days later as promised and will return for all who trust fully in his name. And while the Saturday preceding the celebration of the resurrection is not specifically named, it is commonly referred to as the day of darkness, which then leads to the first day of the new week when Jesus was raised from the dead. In closing, we now worship as believers on Sunday, the first day of the week, because it is to be a continual celebration, a continual reminder every week what our Lord and Savior has done for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Let's pray. Most glorious Father, we thank you for your amazing gift of salvation. Through death, the shedding of your innocent blood to cover over our vileness, our rejection, our hatred of you, and our love of evil. Help us to focus, not just this week, but all year, every day, that you did this for us, not yourself. You so desire a relationship with us and want nothing more than for each of us to spend eternity with you. Guide us through this barren land. Grant us wisdom. Grant us courage. Feed us until we want no more, for you are the bread of heaven, the bread of life, and the life everlasting. Remind us continually of your mandate, your new commandment you left with us, that we are to love one another just as you loved us. And through that true, sincere, humble, godly love that we will be known as your disciples. And now we ask all of this in the name of our Lord, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one we now know has risen and will return. Again, be sure to check back and listen to our Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday messages as together we celebrate all that Christ has done for us. And finally, each day beginning Sunday, April 10th through Sunday, April 17th, Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, I will be posting the scriptural account of Jesus' walk to the cross, to the grave, to the sky, as together we walk with Jesus and his disciples through Holy Week. If you are joining us by podcast, please visit our website at faceyourfaith.com for more information and resources.